coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. Moses, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Listeners, you will remember on the last podcast I did, I talked about a new sponsor of the show, DraftKings. And by the way, if you download the DraftKings app to your phone and sign up for a brand new account using our code Derek, use discount code D-E-R-E-K, you will get a free $3 contest and matching funds on your initial deposit up to $600. Now Moses and I had a little competition going for our fantasy football. We each signed up on DraftKings and we did a head-to-head competition to see who would win. And uh, Moses, why don't you tell us how that turned out? Well, it was going good until Devontae Freeman had that concussion. You know, back in my day, we didn't have these concussion problems. We would just play through it. You know, if you get knocked down, you get knocked out, whatever. Suck it up, get back up, and play the game. So, Moses, why don't you tell all the listening audience uh, what the end result was of our uh, our little contest there? Well, boss, I guess you won, but I don't know. My team played like the little kids that I used to coach. How's that? They had no idea what they were doing. They just ran around in circles and hit each other. I think that's basically what my team did. They sucked. Yeah, Moses, they certainly did suck. But it was a lot of fun doing DraftKings together. So for you to do DraftKings, if you'd like to do a one-on-one competition, I will take on the listeners in some of the fantasy sports that they offer. They offer all kinds of fantasy sports. There's UFC for uh, mixed martial arts. I played a contest for the NHL, $3 contest, knowing absolutely nothing about the NHL, and I ended up winning eight bucks. Can't go wrong there. So if you'd like to challenge me to a contest, just shoot an email to Derek at DerekIzzy.com. We'll do a little listener challenge. So sign up for DraftKings using the discount code Derek, D-E-R-E-K. First $3 contest for free and matching funds on your initial deposit. And now, on to the topic of today's podcast. Born on September 13th, 1857, this man was from Swiss and German descent. His family had settled in Pennsylvania in the early 1700s, so he grew up speaking Pennsylvania Dutch. Like many rural young people at the time, he was expected to help out on the family farm. He learned at a very young age the value of hard work and perseverance. His father rarely stayed anywhere for very long and was prone to leaving his wife and child alone for long periods of time. Because of this, the topic of today's podcast had a very limited education with no schooling after the fourth grade. In 1871, he left school for good. 
He was apprenticed to a local printer who published a German-English newspaper. He was 14 years old and hated this kind of work. So his mother arranged for him to work as an apprentice for a Lancaster County confectioner named Joseph Royer. Over the next four years, he learned the craft of creating confections. In 1876, he moved to Philadelphia to start his first confectionery business, just in time for the Centennial Exposition of 1876. This business venture was financially backed by his mother's family. Despite his upbringing and hard work and perseverance, after six years, the business failed. Next, he followed his father to the Colorado Silver Fields. He took a job with a Denver candy maker and learned how to make caramels with fresh milk. After a few months, he left Denver and ended up in New York City. New York City was the largest candy market in the world. He figured if there was anywhere he could succeed, it would be New York City. But he failed again. In 1886, after giving up on New York City, he returned to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 28 years old and completely broke. The topic of today's podcast, being penniless at 28 years old, having failed at several business ventures already, still refused to give up. He started a company to manufacture caramels using all the knowledge that he had been taught when he was in Denver. But like opportunities in the past, he didn't really have enough capital to get up off the ground and make enough caramels to show a profit. This time was different. A British candy importer offered to market his caramels abroad and placed an extremely large order. With this order in hand, he convinced a local bank to lend him the financing needed to expand his operation. Within the next four years, he became one of the leading manufacturers of caramels in the United States. Finally, success had come. During a trip to the Chicago Exposition, he and his cousin took notice of one particular exhibit. This would be the big change for him and his business. A German company was showing how chocolate was manufactured. He was convinced that this is the future of candy making. He purchased the exhibit's entire assembly of chocolate making equipment, had it crated up and shipped back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. From there, he installed the machinery inside the caramel factory and began making chocolate. He acquired farmland near Lancaster, where he could obtain large supplies of fresh milk needed to perfect and produce fine milk chocolate. Now, at the time, chocolate was very, very expensive. It was an item that was kind of reserved for the rich. But the topic of today's podcast had the idea that if he could mass produce it, he could sell it at an affordable price to anyone who wanted to buy it. Initially, his chocolate company produced sweet chocolate and cocoa for the flavoring and coating of the caramels that they made. But soon he began selling his excess product to other confectioners. In fact, he recorded his first sale of his company's chocolate on April 17, 1895. Their first milk chocolate candy bar was created five years later in 1900. It was affordable, tasted great, and remained fresh for a long time. It was an immediate sensation. 
Shortly after that, in 1903, he began construction on what was to become the world's largest chocolate manufacturing plant. It was completed in 1905. It was designed to manufacture chocolate using the latest mass production techniques. Milk chocolate quickly became the first nationally marketed product of its kind. Later on in 1907, one of their most well-known products, the KISS, was created. I'm sure you know by now the topic of today's podcast is Milton Hershey. That Hershey's KISS in 1907 continued to lead Hershey's to world fame. With Milton Hershey's success came a profound sense of moral responsibility and benevolence. His ambitions were not just limited to producing chocolate. He envisioned a complete new community around his factory. He built a model town for his employees that included comfortable homes, an inexpensive public transportation system, good public schools, and an extensive recreational and cultural opportunities. Unlike other industrialists of his time, Milton Hershey avoided building a faceless company town with row houses. He wanted a real hometown with tree-lined streets, single and two-family brick houses, and manicured lawns. He was concerned about providing adequate recreations and diversions, so he built a park. This park opened April 24, 1907, Hershey Park. It expanded rapidly over the next several years. The park included amusement rides, a swimming pool, and a ballroom. Soon, trolley cars and trains were bringing thousands of out-of-town visitors to the park. Many of the town's impressive structures were built during the Great Depression as part of Milton Hershey's great building campaign to provide jobs. It was then that monumental structures such as the Hotel Hershey, Community Theater, sports arena, and stadium were constructed. This transformed the town into a major tourist attraction that continues to grow in popularity each year. The Hershey Chocolate Company was heavily involved in World War II. The Army had very specific requirements when working with Hershey's. Their Ration D bar had to weigh one or two ounces. It had to resist melting at temperatures higher than 90 degrees, and it had to have an unpleasant enough flavor to prevent the troops from developing cravings for them. After a year or two, the Army was impressed enough with the durability and success of this Ration D bar that they commissioned the Hershey Company to make them a supply of tropical chocolate bars. These tropical chocolate bars were made to taste better, but still be as durable. Tropical chocolate bars were designed not to melt in the tropical weather. It's estimated that between 1940 and 1945, over 3 billion Ration D and tropical chocolate bars were produced and distributed to soldiers throughout the world. In 1939, the Hershey plant was capable of producing 100,000 ration bars a day. By the end of World War II, the entire Hershey plant was producing ration bars at a rate of 24 million a week. For its service throughout World War II, the Hershey Chocolate Company was issued five Army-Navy E-Production Awards for exceeding expectations for quality and quantity in the production of Ration D and Tropical Chocolate Bars. The Hershey factory machine shop even made some parts for the tanks and machines during the war. Milton Hershey's business success allowed him to practice an extensive philanthropy. In 1909, 
unable to have children with his wife, they established a school for orphan boys that today is known as the Milton S. Hershey School. In 1918, three years after his wife's death, Milton Hershey endowed the school with his entire fortune of Hershey Chocolate Company stock. He took great pride in the growth of the school, the town, and his business. For the rest of his life, he always placed the quality of his product and well-being of his workers ahead of profits. In 1935, Milton Hershey established the MS Hershey Foundation, a small, private charitable foundation to provide educational and cultural opportunities for local residents. The foundation supports four entities, the Hershey Story, Hershey Gardens, the Hershey Theater, and the Hershey Community Archives. In 1963, the Milton S. Hershey Medical Center of the Pennsylvania State University was founded with a $50 million award from the Hershey School Trust. This College of Medicine enrolled its first students in 1967 and since then has graduated over 2,000 doctors. Since his death in 1945 at age 88, Milton Hershey's legacy has thrived with a constantly changing world. Today, the Milton Hershey School nurtures more than 2,000 financially needy boys and girls in grades K through 12. The Hershey Company is the nation's leading manufacturer of confectionery products. The town of Hershey continues to be a special place for its residents and a popular attraction for millions of visitors annually. If you ever get a chance to visit that small town, Hershey, Pennsylvania, you will see the street lights that have Hershey kisses on them where the lights are. You will notice the smell of chocolate that goes throughout the downtown area. It's a very unique place and the legacy of Milton Hershey will continue to live on. This legacy was almost cut short by an incident that very few people know about. But if you have a chance to visit the Hershey Story Museum, you can see the close call that almost took Milton Hershey's life. In 1912, the Hersheys were booked to travel on a British luxury ship. You may recognize that ship as the Titanic. At the last minute, they canceled their reservation due to business matters that required Mr. Hershey's attention. Instead, they booked a passage to New York on a German luxury liner, the SS America. In the Hershey Story Museum, you can find a copy of the check that Milton Hershey wrote to the White Star Line as a deposit for a first-class stateroom on the Titanic. If you'd like to learn more about the Hershey Chocolate Company or Milton Hershey, download a book from audibletrial.com slash Derek. What is Audible? They're the largest source of online downloadable books. You don't have time to read a book? Download a book to your mobile device and listen to it. Over 180,000 titles. You can get one free download and one free month membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash Derek. Free one-month subscription, free book download. You can learn all about Milton Hershey with your free book download. And lastly, if you'd like to visit any of the towns where Milton Hershey made his journey through life, going through New York City, Philadelphia, Denver, and then winding up in his namesake town of Hershey, Pennsylvania, utilize Uber to get around. No need to rent a car. Just download the Uber app. 
and you can get a driver in their own personal car, or you can get black car service or an SUV. But if you use UberX, that's the cheapest service where someone will show you up in their pre-approved car and they will take you where you need to go. No cash is exchanged. It's all done through the app. Just use discount code 5LX9E and you will get your first ride for free up to $20 in value. That's 5LX9E. So your first ride with Uber is on me. If you'd like to be an Uber driver, yeah, you can make extra money and you can set your own schedule. Go on duty or off duty whenever you want. Uber drivers average anywhere between $15 and $35 an hour. When I used to do it, I just did it on weekends for fun, basically, to learn my way around town. After expenses, I was making about 10 bucks an hour and meeting a lot of new people and having a lot of fun. If you use that 5LX9E and you sign up for Uber as a driver, all you have to do is complete 20 rides within your first month and you'll get a $150 bonus using my discount code 5LX9E. That concludes today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll talk to you next month. This has been the Derek Izzy Show. Good day. Thank you.